Good afternoon. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Reverend Walden. It's my joy to be on the air. Just really, really actually continuing. Want to uh, give um, a big shout out to our supporters. I, I the uh, the uh, racial, uh, racial disparity project and all of our supporters over the years. In fact, we've been on the air for eight and a half years. So we've had a lot of people who have supported Mother's Justice Show. And we're just really grateful for that. Really, our gratitude is really high. Uh, we are expecting a guest sign from a, a, a return guest from Albuquerque, uh, Ms. Hussein, who was here uh, last uh, last week uh, about, about all of the uh, murders in uh, in uh, Albuquerque. He's going to give us an update. And the rest of the show is going to be the reflections of uh, Marcus Garvey. Remember Marcus Garvey. Marcus Garvey was a liberator. Came to America with bright ideas and hope to be able to help do some things here and around the world, and he did that. I uh, also we're going to end about what happened in Seattle this weekend. I mean, a lot of a lot of uh, uh, disturbance going on, and it's disturbing not only to the families who had who's been impacted, but a larger community. So um, anyway, that's 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 a rundown for for the show. Um, again, Marcus Garvey uh, is one of my heroes. I. I I follow Marcus Garvey's uh, plan uh, for independence and for self-determination and being able to uh, be self-sufficient, see, have some self-sufficiency uh, self because we're highly capable of that, highly capable of taking care of ourselves. So, um, and uh, I'll see here if my, I don't know if my guest has come on yet, but uh, anyway, well, one other thing I can talk about before my guest gets here actually uh, is summer. I hope you're enjoying summer. It's gonna be warm this week. For all the people who did not get an air conditioner, it's not gonna probably be any in the stores. Uh, and we can just kind of like hold on and try to stay as cool as we can because fall is rapidly coming. Uh, and you know, summer never lasts as long as winter. And so we should enjoy these hot days. Uh, and it's not that many, uh, uh, we, we get so bothered by it, but that, it's not that many. And some of the buildings now, hopefully some of the new buildings are being uh, built with uh, air conditioning as climate change uh, come upon us. A lot of the buildings here are old buildings. And uh, of course, when I moved here in 1975, people didn't have air conditions because it didn't, summer didn't last nearly as long as it's lasting now. And it wasn't as hot then in 1975. I moved here, I moved here uh, in December 75, of course, and then uh, that first summer, I was cold. I mean, at, at 76, I kept a sweater on the whole summer. So that's where, how the weather has changed uh, so drastically. So uh, anyway, um, I'll just take a break here, and uh, we'll be right back on the Mother's Justice Show, and just to see, uh, see if we can locate my guests. We'll be right back. Thank you. The Public Defenders Association's Racial Disparity Project is proud to sponsor the Mother's Justice Show in partnership with Mothers for Police Accountability and other community allies. The Racial Disparity Project fights for police reform and helps to increase understanding that issues of addiction, mental illness, and homelessness can be better solved through public health strategies than through law enforcement. The Public Defender Association Racial Disparity Project reducing racial inequality in the Seattle King justice system since 1998. Roxanne Watson is on a mission to have more people sign up as organ, eye, and tissue donors. 
What drives her? Roxanne received a heart transplant made possible by an organ donor. I decided that day to devote myself to signing up the most people in the United States. <laughs> That's my goal. Now she's a powerful force for good. What could you make possible as an organ, eye, and tissue donor? Leave behind the gift of life. Go to organdonor.gov. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Hi, this is Dr. K. Mahina Intron, inviting you to tune in on Mondays on 1150 KKNW at 5 p.m. to Dr. K's Attuning to Your Abundance, where we honor everyday abundance through positive messages, poetry, music, affirmations, and writing exercises. For more information, contact Dr. K Workshops at gmail.com or Facebook, Dr. K's Abundance. Going against the grain has never been this much fun. Alternative Talk 1150. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host from Walden. It's my joy to be on the air. And I want to just think I want to bring my guest in now. He's from Albuquerque. It's Mr. Hussein. He was on last week. Uh, and uh, he was uh, giving us uh, uh, the uh, what has happened in Albuquerque. Uh, and so many uh, Muslim uh, men have been killed, and especially uh, in the last month between July and August. And so uh, he's about some, uh, some influence, something happening over there in, uh, in Albuquerque, and he wanted to come on today. Give us an update and, and uh, let us know how the community is going. So how are you doing, Mr. Hussain? Uh, thank you so much for having me in this show and for giving me an opportunity to speak. Um, so far, the suspect got arrested, and uh, a federal document of charging has been uh, published in the newspaper. What we know that uh, he and his son has some involvement. Uh, police has uh, uh, identified the vehicle is same, and weapon which were used, they were they belong to them, and they uh, test shot and they verified that these are the weapons. So far, what we know that. And I want to comment especially on uh, the prevailing theories that why has this happened? What is their motive that they were hunting innocent people and breasting their skulls? Uh, people say that this is a Shia Sunni rift, that they, the suspect, uh, they belong to Sunni sect and they do not like Shia sect and they hate those. This is false. My brother, Although we have only one identity that we are Muslim, we do not carry any sectarian uh, uh, baggage with us or any sectarian identity. But having said this, we are raised as Sunni. We do not belong or participate Shia specific religious rituals. So if someone is looking for Shia and just see there, my brother, he does not carry that identity. Wow, yeah. My brother, he is just a regular Muslim. He went to his job early morning, come back late, and he has less time to go to Islamic Center. So I do not believe that it's Shia Sunni rift. Nor, on the other side, people say that these four suspects help to let marry victim's daughter to a guy whom he doesn't like. I don't believe that he said 2018 this has happened. In 2018, my brother was not in in United States for six months. He was in Pakistan and he was student. He hardly was making both ends meet. And one guy, they say that he came even in 2020 or 2021. Wow. How come, come? So I don't take that theory either. So it seems there's something different, something extraordinary. Yeah. 
Right. And I read in the newspaper, too, that the suspect might have gone to the same mosque from time to time. I don't know if that's true, but I... It is true. It is okay. true. I myself met him many times. Wow. Uh, last time I remember I met him, it was an Eid festival in July. And I met him. He was there. And uh, I talked to him. And he told me uh, before there was Ramadan, we used to go to that Islamic center. And that guy was there. Uh, I talked to him and asked him, that, who are you? Where are you from? He was struggling in English language, but he could speak my language as well, a little bit. So he said that he lived did, in Pakistan. Do you speak, did you speak, did you speak Farsi? No, I speak Urdu and okay. Punjabi, okay. apart from English. So he was speaking Urdu as well. I said, how come you know Urdu? He said, look, before coming to United States, he was living in refugee status in Pakistan. He said most of his, his kids, they were born in Pakistan while he was living as a refugee. Then he came to United States on refugee status. And I saw that his kids, a couple of kids were of my kids' age. They were playing with them. And that's much I know about him. Wow. Wow. I wow. never realized that that is a person because I didn't talk or any have any broader interaction with him. Or I don't know more about his family, how many kids he has. But uh, so far, I knew about that. Wow. Well, I know that I know that the media will try to exploit anything that they can to bring the separations and you know the difference in the, uh, the Shia and the other uh, and the other and the other groups of Muslims who practice uh, uh, Islam. And so, uh, in my understanding, I'm not a Muslim, so I understand that it was too. Uh, you know, the, the Prophet, uh, peace be upon his name, uh, claimants. Uh, you know, but this uh, uh, this religion to the world and. Uh, and there's more than one sect on that. There's more than one path to that. So, uh, but I'm just glad that you could come on here and just continue to keep us abreast. Because now, tell me what's happening on Wednesday. Because I'm not on on Wednesday, but I know something important is happening on Wednesday in Albuquerque. What's happening on Wednesday? Uh, there's a pretrial hearing on Wednesday that either uh, the suspect should be released on bail uh, or if he is a danger to society, should be kept. Uh, behind the bar. So this will be the court decision, and there is a set pattern of uh, social danger criteria, which courts usually apply that whether this person is dangerous to community once released, or this person uh, is a uh, with a repute that he can appear in the court all the time. So that uh, decision the court will make. Uh, from victim family side, uh, I would say one thing: we have we trust on courts, we trust the legal procedure here, so we will rely on court to decide whether court wants to keep this man behind bar, or if courts think it's okay to release him. We do not want to comment on that. This is purely court decision. One thing we want to know, especially we are still looking for towards FBI and police to tell us what is the motive. Why such a brutality? If you see the way my brother was butchered, he was shot at a place, at a time, and two different type of weapons that whoever has done that, there's an extraordinary hatred against him. Yes. So first, we are, first of all, still looking for why. Right. We do not know so far who pulled the trigger, although police says that the rifles our, our test after test firing are the same which were discovered from these people. 
police didn't say that whether these people have pulled the trigger or not right we have no information about that but so, so but, uh, go ahead i'm sorry but Continue. what i know i know the way my brother was ambushed selection of time use of two weapons it seemed that it's highly organized pre-planned premeditated highly worked out murder yes so we know what is the ideology behind it right under what ideology they keep hunting and hunting and bursting the skulls of innocent people for what right. purpose what purpose right wow and so he uh, there's a there's a bail set for him. is there a bail yeah correct yeah okay yeah, yeah. so that's good that that's a bail well i i just hope that uh, you know everything goes uh, goes i uh, i uh, well, I hope that the judge makes the right decision I, uh, for being able to charge the individual. And also, uh, you know, the, the, I know that the community is coming together just to try to find out what was the motive. And, you know, that's why sometimes just never really gets answered. I mean, it's like a, that why it gets to be a mystery. But I, I, what did I believe, and this is my own personal belief, at, at, at the bottom of some of all of this is be, it's hatred. It can't be love. It's hatred. It's hatred for the other, for the other belief system, the way the other looks or whatever it is. And uh, we know that uh, the only thing that's going to root out hatred is a better understanding of people and an understanding that love is the only thing that lasts. All hatred never lasts. And, and it takes away people, takes away your family member, your brother who is a bright, standing light light into the world uh and we know god knows we need more light on the planet right now we need more people standing up for righteousness and for love and for being in unity with one another so uh anyway i'm just glad that you could come on and you know you can just uh you know i mean i know i got a lot of friends over in albuquerque so i know i'd be talking to them uh this past this coming week to find out what happened on wednesday and then next monday i'll give a report on uh, what happened uh, uh at, at the pre-trial hearing. So, Thank uh, you so much for having me uh, and giving me the opportunity to speak. Uh, we are thankful that you have uh, raised our voice louder and yes. spread our message everywhere in your state, especially where your radio is broadcasted. It means a lot. Yes. We want to make, look, my brother will not come. I want to send, send this message to your audiences who's, who, who are your listeners. My brother will not come back. He has died. He is right. in heaven, I believe. But we need to know what is their motive, why they kept hunting innocent people. Right. If we know that, we can make the society safe. Yes. If we know that, we can stop this hatred, not become a potential danger in future. And we can right. save our young brothers and sisters from these yes. hate mongers. That's right. If we That's couldn't right. dig out under what philosophy they have done it, they will keep yes. doing. Yes. That's correct. But we know from what we know, whether we're Christian, or Muslim, or Buddhist, is that at the seed of all of this is love. No prophet brought anything to the world for hatred. No prophet. That's did. true. No, no, That's true. no prophet that came from the most high that didn't bring hatred. We know that. Right. So uh, so I thank you for coming on and you'll always have a, you'll always have a form, you know, you just need to reach out and I'll make sure I make sure that we talk next week. I mean, after Wednesday, so to find out what the plan is for next week or whether they're going to charge or not. So I thank you also and you have my condolence uh, uh, on the loss of your brother 
and uh, in your family as you console to go on life without him. So uh, I know that as a mother who's lost a son, I know exactly that uh, from a mother's point of view, I know that that's a hard road to navigate from time to time. But may the blessings and the peace of the uh, of, of the Prophet Muhammad be upon you. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to speak. You have become my voice. You have supported me in the time we were in need of support. So I will be updating you if you want to uh, schedule for uh, Wednesday. I don't know Wednesday when, how it will go, or even Thursday whenever, that uh, we will be following this story. And thank you so much for keeping our voice louder and spreading our message. We want to make this society peaceful. We want uh, to make them deterrent example so that other uh, innocent young men and women do not become victim yes. of that. Yes, I agree with that and I support that wholeheartedly. Our goal is to keep the grassroots of all alive, not a voice alive, not only in Seattle, but around the country. And I know that uh, Albuquerque is important to, uh, to me because I've been there and I've done my show from there and I'll continue to reach out and we'll be talking again very soon. Thank you so much. Thank Have you. a good one. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you listen to the Mother's Justice Show on 11.50 a.m. Click in NW. I'll be right back. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye. The Public Defenders Association's Racial Disparity Project is proud to sponsor the Mother's Justice Show in partnership with Mothers for Police Accountability and other community allies. The Racial Disparity Project fights for police reform and helps to increase understanding that issues of addiction, mental illness, and homelessness can be better solved through public health strategies than through law enforcement. The Public Defender Association Racial Disparity Project reducing racial inequality in the Seattle King justice system since 1998. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Reverend Walden Smith. Joy to be on the air. I will spend this time now remembering and talking about Marcus Garvey. Marcus Garvey came to this country many, many years ago. Actually, he, he came, uh, he, he's, he's here, I uh, he started uh, the, uh, the, the United Negro Improvement Association on July 20th, 1914. Marcus Garvey was a liberator of, uh, uh, of, of African people. Uh, he came to America actually looking for Booger T. He was looking for Booger T. Washington because he wanted to meet him. That's Booger T. Washington, absolutely. That uh, Booger T. believed uh, uh, and died. Uh, building brick and mortar. He believed that doing things with your hand and building things was a way to, uh, to, to, have, a, to have a livelihood, but also to build a community. Um, and so there's these two debates that goes on. One is brick and mortar and one is the talent intent. And uh, a lot of people talk about the talent intent and that was W.D. Du Bois, meaning that the educated, the 10% uh, of the uh, educated people would help but 90% of the people, I believe something like that. But Booker T, T believes in something differently, and so uh, and so when when he when uh, when he got on uh, when he got here, Booker T Washington was already dead, uh, and so uh, he was in New York. He's a great orator, and uh, he started the like I said, the uh, United uh, Universal Negro Improvement Association, and that was for uh, political, social reasons. And economic. We believe that we should be economically strong, and we believe that we should absolutely love ourselves. Uh, so, 
socially and uh, and uh, be aware politically. Um, and uh, I, I fell in love with Marcus Garvey because he had so much confidence in himself. Uh, and he was fearless. And one of the reasons why he was fearless is that uh, I studied this. Marcus Garvey's father uh, was, I mean, he was a little well off compared to some of the people uh, in Jamaica at that time. And uh, he had many things that he did. And also one of the things he did was that he would build crypts or dig out, you know, what's also a grave digger. But he also was a builder and he had many skills and so I don't know if he was just trying to toughen Marcus up or he was playing a prank, but it invited him down the ladder uh, to uh, when he was uh, digging out this vault and um, and he pulled up the ladder. <laughs> uh, and uh, it was a terrible form of child abuse in this day and age, uh, it would be, and he left him there overnight. And of course he had to deal with his own fears. Uh, and so I believe that event uh, happened in his life that made him absolutely fearless uh and uh, to be able to walk in the world with no fear is a great gift i mean although he might have got that gift uh, <laughs> uh by by being uh, by being subjected to uh spending the night out there all night by himself and uh in this day and age we know that uh, the parent will probably be arrested for that type of behavior but as a result of that marcus garvey had a keen sense of uh of, uh, uh, he was he was self-taught man too, uh, and he was a dark-skinned uh, uh, individual, and 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 not very tall by by the world standards. He was five feet something, uh, less than six feet tall. And um, one of the things, uh, uh, Jamaica and a few other places, not only Jamaica but uh, around the world, wherever people was colonized, is that uh, there's a light skin and a dark skin thing that goes on in the community. And so the lighter skinned people in Jamaica and all over the world seem to have a better lot. They get better jobs and a lot of times they get paid more money because a lot of times uh, they are the product of uh, of, uh, of the colonizers uh, uh, with an African woman, Indian woman, or with a, a, Mexican, a Mexican woman or Latin, uh, you know, in those places where they found, and places where, places that was colonized, it's always another, uh, I call it the in-between uh, uh, race of people that uh, that have lighter skin. And so Marcus Garvey suffered from being dark, uh, but he didn't let that stop him. I mean, uh, he wind up just remarried a light-skinned woman second time. Um, but uh, he was self-taught. Uh, he wound up being a printer. Uh, he wound up being a leader in uh, Jamaica, uh, leading uh, a strike against a printing company. Uh, and um, he wound up leaving Jamaica, getting on a boat, going to uh, going to Panama, and eventually, eventually uh, coming to America. Uh, but um, one of the things when he started this organization, he really was vilified by a lot of the uh, black leaders at that time. Uh, Debbie D. Du Bois, uh, uh, also uh, A. Philip Randolph, and a lot of other uh, leaders at that time absolutely did not like him because, of, number one, he was a great orator, and number two, he knew how to organize. Marcus Garvey had the gift of organizing from the bottom up. So he organized uh, uneducated people. Marcus Garvey believed that if you taught, you had a, you find an uneducated man and gave an uneducated man, um, uh, if you gave an uneducated man, and you taught him to read, number one, and uh, he read four hours a day, 
uh, the end of two and a half years, you would have an educated man. And so, uh, so he organized from the bottom up. And when you organize from the bottom up, you're raising the standard of living for the poorest of poor people first. And I think that's the smartest idea. Most because uh, people just want to talk about the middle class. Well, people got to be lifted up out of poverty. And Marcus Garvey had some way of knowing that. And so his whole idea was to be become self-sufficient, number one, manufacture and sell our own products. You know, he thought that black kids would have dolls, but, but dolls and uh, I, whatever we use, we needed to be able to make that. And so a lot of people didn't understand that idea and did not, did not associate with that because a lot of folks were still trying to uh, beginning to think about integration and how that might be. And uh, of course, uh, he was not integrationist, neither was Booker T. I mean, because Booker T died, I mean, what integration was not even on the table then. Black people was segregated out, out because of the law, because segregation was the law of the land, especially in the South, and de facto segregation in the North. But in the, in the South, we had these signs that said, you know, no Negroes allowed, and all of those kinds of things, uh, and the colored water fountain, the schools were segregated. Uh, the, the school, uh, the black children received the uh, old books. Right? And so what he was trying to say is that in that situation, learn to do for self, learn to become self-sufficient, uh, self-sufficiency. And one of the ones, I mean, I love a lot of his quotes and I'll be, re I'll be, I'll be quoting some of them as we go on. I love, so he's one of his quotes is that, if you have no confidence in self, you are twice defeated in the race of life. And that is so important because we must have confidence and we must teach our children confidence. And later on, I'm gonna talk about the rest of violence that's happening in our community. And I, and, and I did it, some people just don't care. I mean, that, 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 you know, they just are not connected. And, and Marcus Garvey would say that they're not connected because they have no connection to who they are. Because when you understand who you are and where you came from, I mean, because this slavery was, was, was not our beginning. I mean, we came from someplace else. Marcus Garvey believed that Africa was from, uh, to be a, a place for Africans. Uh, he believed that they should run the government over there. And he's, he, he's, he's, he's the father uh, of the uh, Pan-African movement, the red, the black, and the green, the, the flag that, that, uh, that people have, on, have around uh, Kwanzaa time, around uh, now uh, Juneteenth. Uh, it's a liberation flag for some of the few, uh, for some of the countries, uh, and he's really respected around the, around the world. I mean, he left America in disgrace. I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But uh, he left America in disgrace. Uh, 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 we're gonna have we're gonna enlighten you on some of that that piece. But he's been resurrected, and he's been resurrected by people like me and all across the country and across the globe because he had a plan for us. It was a plan for self-sufficiency. And he says no, no people will ever be I, I, I respected if they can't do for themselves. And one thing about the system, it reduces you to be, uh, to be beggars. And uh, every country that has ever been colonized, the indigenous people are beggars in their own land. Native people had all of this country. And now they have own, uh, own reservations. Uh, 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 and uh, those was war camps. So our people who had the whole North America continent to be squeezed, squeezed up in the small 
uh, parts of land, uh, and a lot of this land is almost hard it's hard to make a living on. I mean, the Navajos had no running water uh, in a lot of places that you got the, the Hopi and uh, the Hopi tribes, uh, uh, nations. I refuse to call them tribes because they were nations of people reduced to tribes by being calling them that. But again, uh, when we talk about what has happened to the world, but Marcus Garvey had a keen sense of that. And he said a people without a knowledge of their past, history, origin, or culture is like a tree without a root. And when you see people harming themselves and harming other people, they have no connection to who they are. They have no connection to their culture. And we have one, no connection to their origin, the or place of origin, uh, a beginning for themselves and a place of, and a knowledge of history. For he who knows or she who knows their history knows that they're great. They know that you come from some place in time where people was absolutely doing something fabulous. Uh, and, and another one is a quote that says that uh, if you have no confidence, uh, 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 if you have no confidence in yourself, uh, then you're already defeated. But with confidence, you can win. Confidence was really important to him and important to me too. It really is confidence. He says, with confidence, you have won before you have started. Can you imagine teaching children that? Can you imagine teaching them that in first grade, with confidence, you can climb that mountain? Marcus Garvey knew that. He knew, he says, up your mighty race to accomplish what you can. He knew that. He came with all of these affirmations and he meant them. And uh, absolutely, when we live by this, well, this affirmation, because the, because the, uh, the, the, the uh, overall picture of us was that we were sullen, we were uh, uh, not intelligent, uh, we, we didn't know how to take care of ourselves, we were just slaves. Um, but you have to make a slave. In order to make a slave, you take all the information out that they can ever get their hands on to absolutely know about themselves. And it took over, it took a long time to make a slave uh, out of the mighty Africans. And, and on, some, on some cases in America, we're still truly unruly. We're not conquered on a lot of places. And so again, he says, another one of his famous quotes is that, he says that, emancipate yourself from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our mind. Can you imagine that? Back then, emancipate yourself over 100 years ago, emancipate yourself from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our mind. It goes along with up your mighty race, accomplish what you can. Mighty people. See, this is what we have to teach the children. They have to go to first grade saying this. Have to go to first, first grade knowing that the black skin is not a badge of shame, but a glorious symbol of national greatness. And how mother said in our modern day time, we have bookmarks and it says our blackness is not a crime. It's mighty color called blackness is not a crime. We gotta take a break right now and come back and continue. Remembering Marcus Garvey, this is Reverend Walden, 1150 AM KKNW, be right back. 
The Public Defenders Association's Racial Disparity Project is proud to sponsor the Mother's Justice Show in partnership with Mothers for Police Accountability and other community allies. The Racial Disparity Project fights for police reform and helps to increase understanding that issues of addiction, mental illness, and homelessness can be better solved through public health strategies than through law enforcement. The Public Defender Association Racial Disparity Project reducing racial inequality in the Seattle King justice system since 1998. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, host, Robin Walden. It's my joy to be on air. Our goal is to keep the grassroots force alive, not only in Seattle, but around the country. And so uh, that's what our goal is. And uh, we are doing that, and especially today and last week. And we'll be trying to do, we'll be not trying. When you're trying, you don't get it done. We will be doing that more uh, as as uh, as time goes on. So um, anyway, we're remembering the life of Marcus Garvin. His birthday is Wednesday, uh, and uh, we'll have some some celebration. We have a Marcus Garvin book club. Uh, we changed the name of it. It was a central area of the club. So we have the Marcus Garvin book club, and uh, that meets the second, the first, and third Tuesday uh, uh, at Garfield Community Center from six thirty to eight. So. Uh, and we'll, we'll be there tomorrow night talking about Marcus Garvey. And we're also reading one of the great, one of the best books about Marcus Garvey. It's called The Negro with the Hat, it's The Rise and Fall of Marcus Garvey. Uh, and uh, it's an excellent book. you got to be up for tasks. It's over, it's over 400 pages. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, gee whiz, it's like, wow. It's written by a Jamaican. That's what's so wonderful about it. Written by somebody who absolutely... <laughs> knows uh, knows him and, and you know and about the customs of, of Jamaica uh, and that's just fantastic so uh, anyway I want to just give one another quote about Marcus Marcus Garvey said God in nature first made us what we are and then out of our own creative genius we make ourselves what we want to be followed always always follow the great law let the sky and God be our limit and eternity our measurement. Wow. That's a mouthful, isn't it? There's no limit on what we can do. There's no limit on who we can be. Because we our presence has been ordained by the creator. That's what he's saying. And so we have a right to be here. We have a right to have joy, have a right to prosper. We have a right to just enjoy the good things of life and it's no limit let eternity be our measure let the life you live be the measurement or as you move on from life to life and from this plane of existence marcus Garvey also said look for me in the whirlwind and he said you call me he said i will come look for me in the whirlwind i will bring millions of spirits from the from the slaves of america millions of uh, spirits from the, uh, from the from the Caribbeans and millions of spirits from Africa to help fight to help us fight for liberation and freedom. Liberation means self determination, the right to determine how you want to live. It's not the same as democracy. Democracy includes all of us, uh, unless it goes another way in the next couple of months. But I tell you, liberty. Just just look at the word liberty and see that help us fight for liberty 
And so he believed in the other world. He believed in the ancestors even at that time. And the African has a long tradition of believing in the ancestors. Now there came a break back when major religions got involved and, and, and the African people took on major religions, the uh, religions that actually said, you know, all of that is not whatever. But now more and more, he knew that then, the power in the unseen world. And that's some of what's guiding me right now. I, 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 just, I just, I'm being driven and, and just being led by this power of Marcus Garvey uh, to speak up, to show up, uh, to talk about self-determination, to encourage people. Yes, you can. All of this other stuff, all of the stuff that's going on I, I, in, in America right now and around the world with violence. Nobody was born with an AK-47 in their hand. Nobody was born with one of those I, 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 I rifles in the hand that, uh, that actually kills people in two seconds. I mean, people was not born with that. Violence and hatred is a learned behavior. And Marcus Garvey said, like, again, I look, one of my favorite, one of my favorite ones is emancipate yourself from mental slavery. None but uh, ourselves can do that. Uh, to free our mind. And Bob Marley has a wonderful song. If you haven't, if you have not um, listened to my Bar Bob Marley, that would be really uh, a, a good song for you to listen to. And um, I'm gonna, uh, one, I'm gonna read one more of his quotes. He says, "I have no desire to take all black people back to Africa. There are blacks who are not good, not uh, no good here, and would be likewise be no good there." And I'll just briefly talk about the fall of Marcus Garvey uh, uh, as, I, 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 as I move to another subject. Marcus Garvey uh, actually was set up, the first COINTEL ever used in America uh, against black people was set up by uh, J. Edgar Hoover. He was a field officer in the uh, office of, uh, it wasn't really called the FBI then, it, it, was, a, it, it, it was a bureau of, uh, uh, of investigation. And, uh, uh, and uh, he, he hired a black guy. It was a black man. Remember that it was a black man who uh, who uh, went in there and became a, a spy. I mean, not a spy, but a, a cointel. And so uh, there was this thing about mailing something to Chicago uh, about about the securities uh, on, on the boat that wasn't quite secure and wasn't quite ready, and it got mailed. Uh, and uh, the Chicago Defender at that time, the editor, and all of those people, uh, uh, and some of the people that I named earlier all conspired and they encouraged Adele uh, Hoover to bring him down. And so they did. And he was arrested on mail fraud. And he was tried in the federal court in Atlanta. <laughs> and because he didn't trust anyone from being what happened to him when he was a child, uh, being left alone, uh, uh, he never trusted anyone that level. He could have won his case uh, uh, had he had an attorney, but he represented himself. So he went to, he was found guilty and uh, he was sentenced a few years and then he was deported and he could never come back to America. And he died years later uh, in Europe, um, in England. And, and the, the Chicago defendant published a paper after it had a stroke that he had died, which was not true, by the way, not true. And then uh, he did die uh, uh, in obscurity uh, as you, the world would call in disgrace. Uh, and later on, one of the uh, uh, black uh, uh, prime minister, one of the black uh, political leaders uh, that came to power in Jamaica uh, brought his body back to uh, uh, back to uh, Jamaica, and issued coins with uh, Marcus Garvey's name on it. And now they have a Marcus Garvey Day that Marcus Garvey celebrated all over the world. 
I'm one of these people who celebrate my prescribed. We've been doing it now for a few years. We usually take a, we usually like I have these statements that I was reading. Uh, I would I what I, I usually have is that I have an I am statement, uh, and uh, and I would have the children to read I am Marcus Garvey, and I it says up you might erase, I accomplish what you can. So including the young people, uh, that's not happening this year because a lot of the summer programs don't have a lot of children in them right now, and the one at Garfield is not going right now. So anyway, we'll be we will continue the work of Marcus Garvey, the, the work of liberation the work of confidence, the work of being able to inspire and to be able to, we are self-sufficient. We have, we have, we can do this. We can do anything we want, we can. And, and I know we can. And confidence, with confidence, you already have won the race. And so my, my, uh, as I trans, as I move to this other topic, I just said, let us have confidence in ourselves. Let us put confidence in our children and our grandchildren and other people's children. Confidence gets it done. Confidence and compassion, consideration, and knowing who you are will get the job done. Long live Marcus Garvey. All right. So I don't know, I'm going to just trans, I don't have a lot of time left. So um, the next five, five or six minutes, I'm going to talk about, and if Marcus Garvey was here today, he would be talking about the violence of the Black community. He didn't shy away from hard topics, so why should we? Why should we shy away from talk, uh, from topics that seems like somebody's running guns in Seattle, number one. I know that they're taking some guns off the street and I'm, I'm sure they're gonna try to take some more off. But we have young people between the age of 14, sometimes as young as 13 with guns. We have young people out there with guns and harming people. And we have people, I mean, I, you know, I, from, from teenage all the way up to 30, all the way up to 25 or 30. And uh, it's not okay. I mean, your ancestors really suffered and they did not suffer for you to pick up a gun and harm people and be cavalier like you don't care. No, you did not give birth to yourself. You did not. You come from a long lineage of people who absolutely did not die for you to become a murderer. I, and all, all, there were so many events this week. I mean, it was like the Wild West, like the Wild West that was going on. Between Friday and Saturday evening, uh, seven shootings in Seattle and Renton injured at least 11 people, including a 14-year-old girl and one man killed. It's unacceptable, y'all. Come on. It's unacceptable. You know, I mean, we're not this kind of people. Why have we internalized to be this way? We went this way in segregation. You know, you can't put up no newspaper in segregation because we had our own black papers. You can't pick up the Pittsburgh Courier and even that old Chicago defendant that I was talking about. Jacksonville had a paper. There was a black paper coming out of Central Florida. You know, every community had a paper. I mean, I remember, I, I'm, I'm sure New Orleans had a paper, Atlanta had a paper, okay? What, because that was our form of communication because we weren't on these other platforms to call them today. We were segregated out of those. And so we had to communicate and absolutely, that's why Ebony got started to be able to put out positive images about black people. Because the images about us is that we were always savages, okay? But, but, but we, were, we, were, we were tame enough to build America. I mean, but there was always savages. 
We were not human, but we were human enough to build America. So it's time to wake up. It's, it's time for us to say, hey, it is just time to just figure it out and admit that we don't know. Maybe we don't know how to handle this. Maybe we don't know what to do, but I do know it's our problem. I do know that. And I'm not ashamed to say it's our problem. And I'm not ashamed to say I don't know all the answers. I mean, I've just been on the planet a mere 70 decades. <laughs> you probably need to be on the planet 130 years to know all the answers. I'm, I'm, just a, I'm just a little whippersnapper compared to somebody who might be 100, might be 104 right now. So I'm still a young bud. And no, I don't know it all. But I do know that there's an answer. It might not be a single answer. It might not be a single answer because it's not going to be like going to get those biscuits out of the Pillsbury Boy <laughs> biscuits and you could just open the container. I used to love to do that, put those biscuits. My kids used to love to put them on the um, put them on the sheet, put them in the oven. No, it's not going to be that easy. But becoming free wasn't that easy either, as Harriet Tubman. Becoming free was not easy, okay? Working for freedom was not easy. Yeah, and, and that's just where we are right now. And Marcus Garvey says the whole world is running on a bluff. And that bluff is that right now for black people to, to actually internalize the fact that we're so violent, that we that this is how we are. Well, I, I refuse that programming. That's a bluff that we're not going to continue with. No, we're not. I mean, we didn't kill 18 million people. 18 million Native Americans was uh, annihilated on a North America continent. But we take responsibility. We don't have to kick the can down the road. We can say right now, where the sun sets today, my favorite chief, Chief Joseph, he says, where the sun sets today, I'll fight war no more. But I say, where the sun sets today, let us take responsibility. Let's we don't know how to answer it. We don't know how to fix it. But if we all come together, we can. Because, yeah, we all come from different realities. Everybody didn't come from Central Florida. Everybody didn't have so-called benevolence, uh, segregation like I did, you know, I mean, or whatever. I mean, you know, because we had businesses, we had thriving businesses in Goldsboro. All of my life I did, you know, we even had a theater. We could go downtown and sit up and listen to the song that Sam, Sam Cook says, you know, sitting upstairs in the balcony. And so my frame of reference is not this kind of violence. I was talking to one of my family members today and I said, well, you know, I just don't have a frame of reference for this. But you know what? I'm willing to learn because I'm still, I'm still compared to somebody 110, you know, 104, whatever. I'm still a youngster. I got some more growing to do. So I invite you to come and grow with me. Let's see what we can do. Come and grow with me. Let us, let us open up a new door. Yeah, the, the universe is always giving. So why not open up a new door? Bring in some of Marcus Garvey. Bring in some of the liberators who tried to help us. Bring in some of the people who came before us. And let us sit down. Bring in some of the young people. You know, we need to hear from them. We need to hear from why they pick up guns. What kind of program for them not to know that the world is full of opportunity for them? I mean, you're talking about opportunity. I grew up in segregation. I mean, this is opportunity. Seattle, Washington is one of the best places in the world for a person to live, especially a young black kid. You can walk to Seattle Central. You can get a budget. You can get an orchid ticket. Go free to Seattle Center. You can go up there and get a free education up. You can go up there and you can go to school in any community college here in, in, in Seattle, okay? It's not that hard. It's not that hard, to, but you got to get up to be up. You got to get up to be up to stay up. 
If you don't get up, you won't be up and you won't stay up. So let's get up. Let's let's do this. Let's do this. We can. We can, we will, and we shall. We've been listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Reverend Walden, and we'll be back next week. Take care, stay hydrated, and don't get sunburned. Thank you. <laughs>